What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? And uh, we've got a killer panel today. Very excited to see everybody here. It should be a lot of fun. Um, we'll be bringing them in momentarily. Uh, returning guests and a couple brand new guests for first time on the show. So should be a blast. Of course, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you haven't already, already, please do like, subscribe, share that little like button just below the screen. Tap that. Give this a share on whatever social medias you are on. Uh, cheers to all the people on Noster, on Rumble, on YouTube, on X, on all of that good stuff. Uh, yeah, let's kick this thing off. I'm Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Bitcoin. Before we bring in our guests, let's take a quick look at where we are in the market right now. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're sitting at $29,628 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 3,375 sats. In terms of uh, fees, of course, by the way, I'm pulling up the uh, live chat here. So your uh, chat messages will be relayed to the entire internet for better or worse. So uh, feel free to start dropping those comments, hellos, GMs, whatever you need in the chat. Um, anyways, in terms of fees, it looks like next block, 18 sats per byte, anytime six sats per byte and anything below around two, two and a half sats per byte is getting purged from the mempool. So be aware. And in terms of Bitcoin mined at 19.52 million of them, that is 92.95% of the total supply. Uh, shout out to sponsors of the show, hodlhodl.com. If you're stacking sats and you want to prioritize peer-to-peer -peer trading, instant self-custody and no KYC. You can check out these guys. Uh, basically, sign up with nothing more than an email address. And once you're there, scroll down, choose a currency, payment method, and amount, and start browsing offers immediately and stacking non-KYC sats. They also have a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform I just did a video on. Uh, nothing ever rehypothecated there, of course. Uh, so check them out. Links are below. When you do stack some non-KYC sats, uh, CoinKite has you covered with some of the best damn hardware on the market. Of course, Cold Card Mark IV, that's my go-to. I have all their other goodies, tap signers, sats cards, block clocks, open dimes, and I've pre-ordered my Cold Card Q1. That's coming soon. Uh, anyways, be sure to check them out, coinkite.com. Code BTC Sessions gets you 5% off everything in the store. Uh, backups are important too. One of the best steel backups on the market, the Cedar, awesome disc capsule design. Uh, protect your seed phrases from the elements, fire, water, all of that. <laughs> uh, corrosion, all that stuff. Anyways, uh, full starter set you can get and you can back up everything important. Check them out. I did a video on them and uh, yeah, I love it. It's, it's super awesome. Last couple here, Nunchuck for your... Um, your assisted multi-sig needs. This is basically a mobile wallet. You can set it up on your own. Uh, it'll handhold you through everything. You can use cold devices like the tap signer, cold card, plenty of other uh, hardware options. Once it's set up, you have baked in inheritance planning. 
uh, so that your keys or sort of that your uh, sats make it to your next of kin should anything happen to you. And the whole multi-sig setup is non-KYC. You don't need to give up your private information in order to set it up and have it work for you. So check them out, nunchuck.io. And last one, shout out to Start9. Uh, these guys just dropped uh, prices on one of my favorite things that I own, but uh, basically they're your sovereign computing solution. They allow you to have plug and play devices to host your entire Bitcoin stack, Bitcoin Core, Lightning, uh, Join Market, uh, Mempool.space, also your private data, files, passwords, photos, Nostra Relays and clients, all of that stuff uh, in the comfort of your own home. You can have a light node all the way up to what I'm running, the server pure, which they just drop prices on. And if you use code BTC sessions with a little plus sign at the end of it, all caps, uh, it'll give you another 18% off, which is pretty solid. So anyways, not my rambling, uh, let's get in our guests. So I'm going to welcome to the stage Graham and CJ and where is he? Ulrich, welcome in. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you joining me on a Friday to get bullish uh, and everybody in the chat also welcome uh, to the show. Let's do a quick round of intros so that uh, everybody that's maybe unfamiliar uh, gets acquainted with you guys. And uh, basically, who are you? What do you do? So I'll, I'll toss it to Graham first. Welcome. First time on the show. Uh, can you let people know who are you? What do you do? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, so, well, first of all, thanks yeah, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm, my name is Graham, as you said, I'm from the UK uh, originally and a uh, long-term Bitcoiner. Uh, and and for, actually, I was really like a, a nobody in the Bitcoin world up until very recently. And uh, I was just quietly going about my own thing. And, and then I went to El Salvador a couple of years ago and I ended up, um, well, embarking on a, on a massive project, which I... I hadn't planned on it at all. It was one of those kind of impulsive moments in, in your life where you decide to do something. Uh, and so, yeah, I ended up committing myself to funding, producing my, my first ever documentary. Um, and that was uh, about the whole Bitcoin Beach story that led to the, the law in El Salvador. Um, so that film is called Dare to Dream. And so I actually, back then I was originally planning on doing it all anonymous, anonymously. Um, I didn't really want to, you know, come out of the, out of the shadows. Uh, but, um, once I, once we actually got the film, uh, it got a, We got a deal with the distributor and all that. I, I realized I actually got to, I got to kind of get my name out there to try and promote the film. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I'm, uh, 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 yeah, that's me basically. That's awesome, man. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sorry for your obsec, uh, but <laughs> but I'm very glad that uh, you've made what you've made, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat about it a little bit more in a bit here. But thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Cool. No, thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we'll jump down to CJ, dude. Good to see you again. Can you give yourself an intro for those unfamiliar? Yes. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be back. And by the way, congratulations to you for that recent uh, reward that oh, that's well-deserved, man. Not many people in this industry truly deserve it, but you do. So really excited to see what you keep doing. Thanks, um, been in Bitcoin for a, a while. Most of you guys know me or remember me from the last episode. Um, hey, 
everything's falling apart. Now's the time. Everything that we've been waiting for and talking about is going to happen right now. So you don't even need to know me. You need to know Bitcoin and you need to be ready. So let's get into it. Awesome. I love it. Well, welcome back, man. Uh, last one was an epic, uh, an, an epic episode. So I'm glad to have you. Uh, and uh, let's toss it down one more, Ulrich. Dude, uh, I've now met you a couple, uh, handful of times in person. Uh, glad to have you on the show finally. I, I'm sorry it took so long, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, can you give yourself an intro for those that are unfamiliar? No, there's there's never any reason to apologize. You know, you're so you're, you do a great job with your show, and you know, I, it's a pleasure to be here, uh, seeing all the people I know in the in the audience uh, supporting you and supporting us. My name is Ulrich, Sir Ulrich, on Twitter. Um, I do a few things in Bitcoin. Uh, if you look over my left or right shoulder, uh, Declaration of Monetary Independence. Uh, pops up at, at several different conferences on occasion. Uh, I also have written over a dozen articles, 15, maybe 15, 16 on various platforms, Bitcoin Magazine, Swan, uh, Satoshi's Journal, Pleb Underground, Simply Bitcoin. Been on some of, the, some of those podcasts as well. So you've seen me there. Uh, I, I also do the Bitcoin Ballers with Q, um, with, where we don't talk about Bitcoin. We're just Bitcoiners who actually just talk about the NBA. It's really cool. We have other Bitcoiners on. We kind of branch out on other interests besides this great monetary network. And lastly, I also uh, own a substack called uh, Belt of Truth, which is basically a, a, a collective of writers talking about the intersection of Christianity and Bitcoin. Uh, so I'm pushing a lot of different things right now, and I'm just happy to be here so we can talk about the thing we love. That's that's awesome, man. I know that somewhere on Earth, uh, you you said you said NBA and you started talking about basketball. And uh, Sean Harris, his ears are burning somewhere. He's <laughs> he can sense it. Everything is basketball. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, this is going to be fun. I can already tell. Um, everybody that's watching, welcome as well. Do me one little favor: hit that like button down below. That helps a ton, and give it a share on uh, whatever socials you're on, whether it be Noster or X or wherever else you may be. And shout out to the people on Rumble that may be watching too. I'm starting to get a few more viewers in there. But uh, I digress. Anybody unfamiliar with the show, this is called Why Are We Bullish? Pretty simple premise to the show. Each one of us has come with a reason why we're bullish, why we're currently excited in and around Bitcoin. What's, what's happening? What's top of mind? So the flow of the show is that one person is going to drop their reason for being bullish. This is their chance to rant and talk about whatever excites them. After that rant is concluded, then together we're all going to riff on that reason. We're going to discuss, ask questions, head down whatever rabbit holes we decide to go down. And then finally, uh, we'll rotate to the next person until we've all had a turn. So the three R's, reason, riff, rotate, simple. Um, so I'm going to get us started today. And... My my reason for being bullish, it it's been kickstarted by um, what I would say is it's being kickstarted by worrying news, but the worrying news, I will say, well, it may be a pain in the ass for us and for Bitcoiners in general for a period of time. Um, I, I do believe that in the long run, they will, not us, but they will lose. 
So I'm going to show you what I'm talking about here. Uh, so this is news that FinCEN seeks to impose strict surveillance requirements into a broadly defined class of Bitcoin mixers. So they propose designating uh, mixing as an area of primary money laundering concern in order to impose certain record keeping and reporting requirements on involved transactions. Public has 90 days to comment. Basically, they outline a bunch of different methods in which you can use on-chain uh, uh, transactions and just how Bitcoin works in order to achieve greater privacy. And, and number one, I want to say that, once again, privacy in and of itself is not a crime. Having it so that anybody who decides to dig uh, cannot decipher your net worth is not a criminal offense. I would prefer if I could do a transaction and not have any asshole come along and say, oh, geez, this guy has how many Bitcoin? Maybe I'll just swing by his house and kick open his door. I don't like the idea of that happening to me. And so on-chain privacy is something that people should be able to do. And I don't think that it's possible to do that through a, uh, you know, through the lens of only the good guys can have privacy. That's not how privacy works. If there's a honeypot of information and you need to give up the information to someone somewhere, everyone somewhere at some point will be able to get a hold of it. Just look at, at the, the mess of crap that has happened with private data over the past decade or more. So anyways, they go on to outline all of these specific types of uh, ways that you can use on-chain transactions to more or less obfuscate or, or create transactions in which there are multiple interpretations. Um, CoinJoin through Whirlpool or, or JoinMarket or all these different things, um, using PayJoin, all of these different methods that people might use. And then some of the quotes coming from FinCEN are just astoundingly stupid. But in particular, this one uh, here, FinCEN recognizes that there are legitimate reasons why responsible actors might want to conduct, fi conduct financial transactions in a secure and private manner, given the amount of information available on public blockchains. FinCEN also recognizes that in addition to illicit purposes, CVC mixing may be used for legitimate purposes, such as privacy enhancement for those who live under repressive regimes or wish to conduct licit transactions anonymously. Still, mixing presents an acute money laundering risk because it shields information from responsible third parties, such as financial institutions and law enforcement. So here's the thing. When you're saying that there are legitimate uses for this, but you're saying we can't possibly let people use this unless we know everything that they're doing, you are saying you are guilty until proven innocent. You are starting from a, a position that is, is incriminating everyone and then examining everything that they're doing and then saying whether or not you're allowed to have privacy. And that's the antithesis of everything I know that America is supposed to stand for. But 
any free country, I believe, is supposed to stand for. And they specifically mention people living under tyrannical regimes um, using these methods to help protect themselves. Well, the thing is, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. Either the average person can have privacy or you have a top-down structure where the people at the top get to deem who is allowed to have privacy. And in those instances, the people living under tyrannical regimes, they get screwed. So basically what you're saying is that in order to catch some low-level crooks, we're going to sacrifice every other person that is at the other end of a tyrannical stick. So I, I hate this, but I also think they're going to lose. And here's why. So here's my start nine note. I am personally hosting uh, something called Jam. And Jam is just an easy user interface for JoinMarket. JoinMarket is a protocol in which you can execute coin join transactions. It is not a centralized entity or company. It is simply a protocol for executing, um, uh, uh, executing transactions that can be interpreted multiple different ways. And again, you can run this yourself, um, but it's just one example of a coin join tool that can be used completely permissionlessly. Of course, there's other options too. Sparrow Wallet is an excellent desktop wallet. It utilizes uh, Whirlpool if you care to use it, in which you can use coin join transactions to um, you know, break the links between you and the coins that you own. It also utilizes a, uh, a technology when you go to spend pay join transactions. Pay join transactions allow you to uh, combine coins with any other person in the midst of a transaction and have it look like a coin join um, when really you're just sending yourself money or sending somebody else money. Um, you can also create fake coin join transactions through your own wallet where you're literally just sending every time you send. It looks like a coin join even though it's not. Beyond that, we haven't even begun to address second layer and the amount of privacy that you can get through other tools. We are at a place where governments are starting to say, uh-oh, people can in some way, shape, like they just figured out that Bitcoin isn't private and now they're starting to catch on to, oh, here's some of the methods that people can use on chain to make their transactions more private. They've just begun to ask the public for comments on, on their eventual uh, uh, trajectory in and around how they deal with this stuff. They haven't begun to truly look at what could come next. So fediments, what are fediments? It's effectively a big multi-sig, like a communal pool of Bitcoin amongst like a trusted group of people where you'd have community members as key holders. But once in a fediment, a pool of Bitcoin in a, in a uh, multi-sig, every transaction to and from everybody inside of that fediment is near perfectly private, instant, and free. When you go to send from one fediment to another, because you can have many different fediments, you're 
you're gaining the privacy of every single person in that group because nobody knows who sent out of the fediment and nobody knows who received into the next fediment. And this can be done via lightning as well. So you're, you're basically hiding in the crowd. And this is, uh, again, like a layer two mechanism through which you can gain privacy. There's other things where there are trade-offs in and around custody, but you know, depending on what you're trying to do and how large the transaction is, uh, Cashew is another instance of a Fediment-style um, Xiaomi and eCash model on Lightning. And this, again, near-perfect privacy, and, uh, and, and you can download and test this today. I did a video on it recently um, using Xiaomi and eCash on top of Bitcoin. Uh, and then you have stuff that is still, I'd say, early days, but Mercury and state chains is just a whole other mess of privacy, kind of layer two stuff that that it's going to make it so difficult to tell what in the hell is going on. And so I know I threw a whole bunch out there, but my main reason for being bullish is despite the fact that this next little bit is going to be difficult, I think, in the end, I think the people that are are opposing freedom and privacy and the assumption that you are innocent until proven guilty. I think people that are, are opposing that will end up being on the wrong side of history and that those who write code and those that advocate for privacy and financial freedom for all will win. And that's why I'm bullish this week. So I'm going to open it up to you gentlemen and basically just... I don't know, kind of prod your thoughts in and around what, what do you think of the FinSten stuff? What, how do you think this is going to play out? Um, do you think that these tools stand a chance in the long run? I don't know. Who wants to dive in here? You know, I can go first because I, I, I think that based on the, the, the fanfare in the chat, in the chat, CJ may be the, maybe the final, uh, final speech. So I would say that, um, there's an analogy I want to put forth where government cameras on your property, your land and real estate are necessary to mitigate the risk of criminal activity. Um, and of course, that's preposterous. That's wild. That's that's outlandish. But it's essentially analogous to what we're what we're describing here, uh, that they have the right to watch your licit, illicit, doesn't matter your transactions regardless of whether you're a bad a bad actor or not uh and the problem is well the, the the catch here is that they have easy access to your real estate pretty much anytime they want uh most most civil, most peoples are in the out uh throughout the world are disarmed uh and so even if you stand your ground say you shall not pass they have the guns and they have they have the ability to march onto your property and do whatever the hell they want and the problem, the problem is with Bitcoin is they essentially have no access right ability to easily gain, uh, easily access your Bitcoin without working through lawfare to try to curb the technology that's being built to protect you. So they're working on these on these laws. They're working on these counter these. So, the software that's trying to mitigate the SHA-256 that makes it nearly impossible to breach the Bitcoin network. And I think that um, it just shows that they're scared. Mm -hmm. 
that they have a, po a possibility of losing their their authority over the monetary supply in many ways than one. Of course, fiat inflates to zero, but not only that, Bitcoin, regardless of whether it's inflationary or not, the fact that it's so closed off to um, individual individual rent seekers, um, it makes people who have make, who make a living rent seeking essentially shake in their boots. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Graham, I, I, I want to toss to you and get any of your thoughts as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm with you, man. I think it's actually, uh, it's actually very bullish, right? I mean, it's, it's funny. The, the irony, right, is that Bitcoin or originated from the, the cypherpunk movement, which was all about privacy, right? That was, that was what it all started off as. And so, you know, I think they could, it's a sign that they're scared. I think they're going to, you know, they're going to do things like this. Um, but I don't see it as, you know, any problem that the Bitcoin community, so to speak, can, can, can't overcome. And, and, you know, it's funny, my, my girlfriend's uh, Brazilian and uh, she was telling me just today that <clears throat> the, uh, she was watching the news. I got, I finally got her to, to, uh, to, I, I finally orange pilled her. She finally bought some Bitcoin uh, yesterday, and um, uh, she was telling me today that on the on the news on in Brazil that they were trying to blame the, the so the the the, the um, rise in price right of of Bitcoin is because all the terrorist groups like Hamas and all <laughs> are using it for their uh, you know to to fund their activities and and uh, wow. As, uh, wow. you know. <laughs> so that, that that's where they're going now right is uh, they're gonna they're gonna blame it on the on the terrorists so yeah you know it's i i think it's a sign that they're they're kind of desperate yeah. um I, I you know i think they see that that they're losing the battle and so they're gonna throw anything they can at it and I, yeah it doesn't it doesn't worry me you know i it's uh it'll just be another little hurdle that we overcome and and as I say, I think, well, as you said, I think it's actually a very, very bullish sign. So. Yeah, yeah, we got, we got, we got some strife to go through, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come out the other end of this. I, I, I think much stronger. But uh, CJ, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you look like you're, you're ready to say something here. I can barely hold it in. I can <laughs> barely hold it in. This is absolute <laughs> bullshit. Are you kidding me? FinCEN is the terrorist. They're the terrorist. All of this stuff is happening. Let's let's take this one by one. What is funding terrorism? Probably our tax dollars, right? U.S. American dollars are what's funding terrorism, not Bitcoin. You fools. The other thing is, is how many how much illicit? How many fines have the banks paid? How much in dollar value have they paid? Billions of dollars per year. The banks are defrauding the American people and doing this type of bullshit that Bitcoin doesn't let you get away with. And then they have the audacity to point their finger at us and tell us we're the ones that are empowering uh, illicit finance and, and terrorists. It's just, I, my heart is beating out of my chest right now because it's so frustrating. It, the whole world's asshat backwards, isn't it? It's like upside down and backwards from what the true reality is. It's almost like whatever the government says, the exact opposite is true. Like Bitcoin's funding terrorism. Nope. Opposite dollars are funding terrorism. 
oh, we got to watch these Bitcoiners because they want to do illicit things. No, actually, you have to watch the bankers. You have to watch the people that you're telling everybody to trust who lost hundreds of billions. Actually, no, trillions of our dollars. We deposited our dollars. They took them and bought shitty government debt with leverage, lost it all. And now we, we should still trust them and we're the bad guys. What a joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's so when you, when you started down this rant again, like with the, the losing money or the, um, uh, the, the, the tracking of money, even when it comes down to things that we've seen in the past, Oh, we want, we, we need you. The IRS needs to know about every $600 PayPal or cash app or yeah. Venmo that you get. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Pentagon, was it the Pentagon? They misplaced like yeah, six billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't the first time. Right before nine eleven, they lost a couple billion dollars. I yeah. mean, they've lost billions of dollars and they can't track it. But they got to know where our six hundred dollars is. The one thing that I love that makes me bullish is what you brought up about the second layer. You know, mm -hmm. funny enough, last time in our episode, you were talking about lightning, and we mm -hmm. were talking about how lightning is is for monetary velocity, right? Mm -hmm. It's to increase the rate at which Bitcoin can exchange hands. And one of those side benefits is that there's going to be that added privacy. So if you know if you're going to do uh, buy a cup of coffee or do something like that, you know you should be on the second layer. You should be on Lightning. You should be allowing these developers to figure out how we're going to uh, get this privacy uh, perfected, so that we can use it not only as a settlement layer between nation states and sovereigns and corporations, but also between each other and the small peer-to-peer -peer market as well. Yeah, yeah. It's again like I I, I get the I get, I get the main takeaway here is um, the, the government can't possibly keep up to what the technology is capable of. And those that, those that have the least to lose are the ones that are most willing to learn the new technology right away. And so the, the, the government is always going to be lagging behind. They're always going to be a few steps behind whatever is the bleeding edge, right? They're, they're now starting to realize, oh, crap, there's on-chain uh, techniques to, to mitigate on-chain surveillance. Um, and again, like, yeah, well, what do you do with uh, Xiaomi and eCash? <laughs> what, what do you do with Fediments and what do you do with uh, state chains and all, all these other things that effectively, you know, move transactions off-chain? And so, you know, one thing that, that makes me happy is that Odds are, you know, if you go look forward by a few decades, your average person is not going to be transacting on chain. I think the important, at least day to day for regular transactions, I think the important thing is that we use this time now to one, encourage self-custody, but two, to encourage a, a uh, trajectory of building that doesn't compromise the base layer so that everything passes through this eye of Sauron that wants to see everything. It's no, we need to build an alternative where that's not possible by the time you get to layer two and three. So that's my hope. And I think that's where we're going to end up being headed. But, you know, we, we got to work for it and, and we got to make sure that these tools are available and that they're built in a way where guidance like this is um, is useless because it yeah. cannot and, la and laughed at and completely laughed at. Yes, because you know it's it's very similar to this. It's Bitcoin going from digital gold to digital collateral. 
-hmm. right? So the settlement is being done elsewhere, but you're still enabling the exact type of transaction that we're looking to make and you're preserving privacy. I, I love this reason for being bullish because what it shows you is that, I mean, I think the government built like a healthcare website for like a couple billion dollars and it still didn't work, right? So they can't even build a website. They're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> I'd yeah. love to see them put out a BIP or something. Like they, what are they gonna do? They're not gonna be able to do anything. So yeah. I love this reason for being bullish. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the biggest threat is going to be um, targeting and making an example of of people like the, you know, the tor tornado cash dev. And so devs are going to have to be super diligent and they're going to have to start like if they're going to put themselves in the line of fire like that, you're kind of going to have to start to be, uh, you know, actually uh, anonymous. You're going to have to be a NIM. Um, if you're going to want to build around this, if it keeps going this direction, if they're going to be this heavy handed with it. And I think they are because they're flailing because they know that they're in the early stages of losing and yeah. um, it'll get worse. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they lost the, uh, they, they tried the whole uh, destroying the environment uh, <laughs> thing, right? That was the, uh, that was the line of attack for, for quite a while. Yeah. And that clearly, clearly that that's failed. Yeah. And so it seems like this is going to be their next, the, the next thing, right? And, and CJ is right, of course, that it's actually them. They're, they're, the, they're the ones who are illicitly uh, using, using money, taxpayers' money. And uh, I was just, I just read today, did you see that, I think if somebody testified in Congress that uh, out of the, the $5 trillion that was used for COVID relief, that two and a half trillion found its way into China. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so you know it's it, it's the other way around you know it's that the taxpayer should have more visibility what they're doing with 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 our money not not you know not yeah. not what we're doing with bitcoin so yeah it's crazy and the, and the problem is with that of, of course is you know we we call the money that we work for every day our money but it really isn't we're 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 renting we're it's almost like that money, those dollars in our pocket is is on lease to us and we use it at the at the privilege or at the at the mercy of the governments that own that that actual network. So by us put, throwing that away, by us exchanging that for truly private money like Bitcoin, um, it enables us to to actually be for the first time ever own something legitimately it's never it's never been our money the dollars the euros the rubles whatever you have has never been your money but the narrative you've been convinced of that and so you get outraged and you lobby and you and you vote mm -hmm. and that doesn't even matter yeah. it's never it's never never until bitcoin have you actually had a property a, a monetary unit that can truly be yours yeah. Yeah. remember the difference between money and currency too Right. There's a, the difference between money and currency is the store value aspect. So the dollar is a fantastic currency, but it's a horrible. It's not money. It's, it doesn't qualify as money. So when you trade your time and energy for currency, whatever's left over and whatever you don't spend, you got to make sure you get it back into money. And Bitcoin is the best money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't blow it, everybody. <laughs> get, get yourself custody today. Um, 
Awesome. Well, gentlemen, I, I don't want to dwell on my topic for too long, so let's uh, let's do a rotation here. Everybody in the chat, keep them keep them coming. Uh, glad to see you guys all here. Keep those messages going. Smash that like button. Give this a share on whatever socials you're on. That helps a ton. And uh, yeah, let's let's jump to our next topic. So, uh, Graham, I'm actually going to toss it to you, and I'll cue you up with the same question everybody's going to get: Why are you bullish? Okay. Well. Um, you know, this is a tough one, right? Because uh, there are so many reasons, but I think we're right at the beginning of uh, the, you know, the new bull market. And so there's just ha stuff happening everywhere. And there's so much stuff to get excited about. So, it was, you know, it's a hard one to try and pin down a, one, one particular thing. But um, I'm going to well, I'm going to start off by just laying out a little bit of the, the kind of context behind my, my reason. Um, and, and actually that's a sort of slightly negative outlook, but you'll, you'll understand where I'm going when I explain it. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in, if we, you know, we look out at the world around us right now, it's, it's a pretty bleak place to be honest, right? If you're not a Bitcoiner, it's actually, um, we got, escalating you know wars going on we got uh imploding financial system we got government overreach everywhere we got a, a failing education systems a healthcare crisis you know um it's it's a the world is basically in decline for you know and it's it's a pretty sorry state of affairs and it's been happening for many many years it's a you know it's an this has been going on for decades and getting worse and worse. And, you know, but against that backdrop is why I'm so bullish because when we, when we zoom out, you know, Bitcoin has been talked about in, in many ways in many different things, you know, yes, it's the, the hardest, soundest money we've ever had. Um, you know, yes, it's a, an amazing technology, whatever, but, the way I kind of see it now is it, it's the first truly global, uh, universal sort of bottom up grassroots movement that we've ever had towards a better world. And to me, that's a, a really powerful idea in, in the context of everything that I was just explaining. Um, I think that's a, you know, I, I, we, we talk about Bitcoin as a community sometimes, and I, and I don't think it is really a community. I don't have any problem with using that term, but I think it is a movement. I think we are generally fighting towards something uh, much bigger, much stronger. And so that's what excites me. I think that the, um, you know, what we're really looking at, if we can move the whole the whole of I'm, I'm actually writing an article about about this at the moment it's called the secret to orange pilling the world and i think if we can move the whole world onto a bitcoin standard and i think that's obviously going to take time but you know ultimately i think that's going to lead us to something like a kind of rebirth of humanity if we because against this backdrop of war and lies and deception uh, is this movement, this bottom-up grassroots movement, which is founded on the principles of truth, freedom, and I would say peace, you know? I think generally maybe peace isn't necessarily 
baked into you know the kind of the, the bitcoin uh, white paper or whatever but you know if if you when you meet bitcoiners as you all have you know all over the world it's very clear that we're we're a kind of peace loving group of people right and and so those to me are the the kind of the the main principles the main that i see um, behind this movement which is yeah as i say truth freedom and peace and i think that that's a really powerful idea really powerful values to have and so i think it's uh as this as this movement gets stronger and, and and reels in more and more people and if we ultimately get to that you know that global kind of bitcoin standard hyper bitcoinization i guess for another way of, of saying it then i think we're going to we're going to have a complete overhaul of of humanity like uh, we're going to recalibrate our, our our values our our ethics uh and just the way we function as a, as a society and that really excites me and i and i think it's you know i'm, I'm not talking about you know this bull market or whatever this is a long-term kind of vision but it's something that um i think is where we're heading towards and it's something i something i think we're we're all kind of fighting for you know and it really sets us apart from all the you know all the shit coins all the all the crypto nonsense mm -hmm. who, who are just in it to you know it's a get rich quick scheme if they can you know and whereas bitcoin really is about trying to change the world and and so for me it's this yeah it's it's this the fact that it's a a, a, a global movement i don't think anything we've ever had anything like this before mm -hmm. and and, and it was, it was so early and i think people you know people should like be proud of kind of you know where where we're at you know in terms of the people who are in it now and actually you know are fighting for it and and i think maybe one day when we you know when we look back in history they're going to be like wow th those people that first kind of 20 years of, of bitcoin you know that they were the they were the real the the game changers they're the ones who believed in it and pushed it when all the rest of the world were trying to take them down or trying to you know hold them back yeah. um so i i would just add to that though that one thing where i do think we could improve mm -hmm. is is getting out a little bit out of our echo chambers mm -hmm. of, of within the bitcoin space i do think where we spend a lot of time um we're all guilty of it right on uh you know podcasts uh, conferences whatever talking to each other talking bitcoin up to each other and and i think it's great and and you know it's sometimes it's just it's just good to to vent and and whatever and um and and you know people if you're in the bitcoin space you need content you need you know you want to be that you want to be hearing other people's views and whatever but i also think we need to get outside of our space a bit more and try and cross-pollinate and in you know with other because there are actually a lot of other people doing a lot of good things in in the world and there is overlap with the values that we have as bitcoiners and i think if we could kind of intersect a bit more with with those people doing those things we could or we could have we could make much greater strides in in kind of orange pilling all kinds of people from all over the world you know just i mean just one thing i saw today which kind of 
you know, resonated with me, for example, and actually um, sort of a little bit what we were talking, you know, about before. With this whole government overreach and, and, and so on, and the censorship uh, uh, complex, you know, that's been uh, happening. I saw, so did you see this thing called the, the Westminster Declaration? Uh, it's so. it's uh, so it's a whole bunch of um, journalists and filmmakers and technologists and um, who have kind of come together to sign a declaration for free speech. Basically, mm -hmm. it's about you know we we need uh, open discourse. They're they're kind of little you know slogan on the on the on the home pages. Um, open discourse is a central pillar of a free society, right? And so they, it's, you know, it's, it's been signed by many people from all over the world, all different kinds of all walks of life, a lot of, a lot of independent journalists. And I, and I just thought, wow, that's, it's, it's a very cool thing. You know, it's, it's definitely a, the, the right way to go. And it really overlaps with a lot of what, you know, we, we feel and believe in, in Bitcoin world. But I just thought, you know, how could we, you know, there must be a way that we could intersect with that group or, or enhance it or help or whatever, you know, and, and I haven't really thought that through very much because it just, I just saw that today, but it just, it was an example for me of like, well, somehow if, if Bitcoin, maybe, maybe Bitcoin could, Bitcoiners could make a documentary, for example, you know, mm -hmm. this is something I'm now involved in, you know, funded by Bitcoiners around the same topic and and i think it would just open up you know so many other people's eyes that are, are fighting for this free speech thing but maybe had misplaced perceptions around bitcoin mm -hmm. you know so anyway so it's a bit of a rant uh but uh no, it's good but yeah that's 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 kind of uh that's that's really why i'm bullish it's it's, it's that global movement that um that i think is just amazing yeah I think, uh, you know, something that you hit on um, in around kind of rebuilding the fabric of society and, and kind of changing the way that we think about and do things. If, and I, I do think that's true. I do think that will come about. And, and the reason I say so is um, I think the reason a lot of people nowadays feel so defeated is, um, you know, money. And I've said this in other shows, but money is 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 meant to be a way for you to express your values by funneling the fruits of your labor into, into a medium and then projecting that medium out into the world to affect things. Like you, you, you spend X number of hours every day, every week, every month, every year um, working and doing things that are, are probably difficult. And you could be spending that time with your family or doing other things and having hobbies, but you spend it working so that you can earn, you know, what you're remunerated in. And then when you spend that out into society, you're really, you're communicating your values. And when you take all of your blood, sweat and tears and you pour them out and you, you try to funnel that, that remuneration, out into the world, you expect to see your values at least partially reflected back at you. But when a, a touch of the button can print, you know, 40% of all existing currency in, in a couple of years, all of a sudden, it's, it's not just the currency that gets diluted, it's your values. It's, it's all of the work that you put in 
that you expect to see some semblance of in society, it just gets debased. Your values, the, the crux of what you built your whole person on gets debased. And that that eats away at people because you expect to see, you know, especially like people that just go and have their nine to five jobs and they work hard. You expect to, you know, be able to, to make a living. You expect to see the world kind of at least somewhat reflect back at you, you know, some of your values. And you're not seeing that because you have a, a, a few at the top that get to say, now we're going to wipe out half of the the value and effort that you guys created and we're going to funnel that into what we see as important which primarily ends up in war and self-enrichment and so people throw in the towel and because if if your values aren't reflected back at you then your values start to decay and you see the societal decay we've seen it over the past number of decades um, we, we've all seen the charts of what the fuck happened in 1971 and and it more than just monetary charts. There's a whole bunch of things in society that have gotten worse since that day. Um, and and so I think going back to a standard, like you said, that is based on truth, that there is consequence for deception, um, you know, however long it may take to find that deception, it seems to be expedient when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, you can't you can't lie about the state of affairs for very long before you fuck around and find out. But I think that gets us back to a base layer of of truth, and then we can build society on top of that. So yeah, I, you know, I I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, um, I I, I want to get uh, maybe CJ's take on this, and then we'll go to Ulrich after. Yeah. So what when you were talking, what came up in my mind was that Bitcoin is a movement. And uh, it, then it brought me back to your previous comment, which is they were attacking Bitcoin mining and that kind of faded out. So what I like to say is uh, Bitcoin is the only sustainably incentivized infrastructure of humanity driving energy technology innovation, right? So the frauds came in and said, this is a scam. You're, you're boiling the oceans. You're killing the world. And then what, once the dust settled, what we found out was actually... Bitcoin is the, the solution to our problem. Bitcoin mining is using wasted energy. Bitcoin mining is commoditizing that energy in the form of money and making the world a better place. Bitcoin mining can reduce energy costs and that would deliver unlimited benefits to society. Imagine, you know, what's the big talk today? Oil is going to go back up, right? Energy, energy is a big driver of inflation and, and prices and business costs. When those cost structures get pushed, over to the to the consumer when they go too high uh, because the producer has to make a profit. So the, the natural laws of economics coupled with the truth that Bitcoin um, I don't I don't I don't know the right word I'm looking for here. The truth that Bitcoin puts forth in its movement, no matter what angle it's attacked at, right? If FinCEN attacks it and we're the terrorist, prove him wrong. Uh, you know, mining is boiling the ocean, prove him wrong. It turns out that Bitcoin, the, the more it gets attacked, the more it reveals itself uh, that it is one of the most beneficial. It's not just the, the hardest asset that can protect our time and value. It's so many layers deep about how it's a benefit to the human society. Like Ben said, it protects your time and energy. Um, mining, lowering those costs, uh, taking that wasted energy, turning it into money, increasing bottom lines. And the, the truth is, is I think the, the only real advancement in energy technology 
that's going to take place in the future is going to be the result of Bitcoin because it's Bitcoin miners who are the ones who are incentivized to figure out how to find cheaper electricity, right? These guys are like, let's use the wind and let's use solar. Yeah, okay. Uh, look at the charts. Look, it's not going to work, right? We need nuclear. We need to focus on waste. We need to focus on hydro. And I love the fact that Bitcoiners are smart enough to back away of this fake green narrative, this green peace narrative, and create our own narrative. It's the orange peace narrative. The narrative is that orange peace is what's going to bring true peace and understanding. That's that's why we're bullish because no matter how much you attack Bitcoin, it reveals its positivity and its and its good benefits for humanity. I've not come across one thing yet where Bitcoin is is bad for humanity, and uh, that is that that's what I triggered in my head when you were talking about the movement of Bitcoin and, and humanity as we move together into the future. Love it. All right. Yeah, you exactly. jump in. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. You know, as long as we keep on listening to this narrative where we need subsidized uh, wind solar batteries um, to put another layer of uh, surveillance and state coercion on now our use of energy, uh, these pe people are going to be in, in a for a rude awakening but some some country will buy into it just like they bought into turning in all their guns to the to the to the state i digress a couple of things uh so uh, ben mentioned about uh, about talked about essentially allowing technology uh, to summarize what ben was talking about with people losing their time because they can't they can't spend their time with their with their people because they have to continually work harder for the same amount of share of the economy um, Bitcoin essentially allows technology to be truly a deflationary force. If you go back to the topics with Jeff Booth and the price of tomorrow, it, you can't have, as technology improves our lives, we end up not taking fully advantage of it. We, the common people, the wage earners, because we're always fighting against how much the centralized forces print money. So that's the kind of thing where, where they... Where, if the centralized forces lose their ability to print money, we can now experience what it really is like to be a human in these amazing times. Uh, secondly, uh, going back to, or thirdly, going back to what Graham was talking about, he summarized his why he's bullish and truth, pre peace, and free and, uh, and a freedom. And I like to talk about Bitcoin in six, four to seven characteristics and. Four of those characteristics he mentioned right there, truth is another, another word for that is immutability. So the blockchain, Bitcoin's blockchain is immutable and it's different than other blockchains or Bitcoin's time chain is immutable. It's different from others because it's not owned by a central entity where they can rewrite that, that blockchain. Bitcoin's time chain is decentralized. No one's rewriting it. It's a beautiful thing where a transaction spent is a transaction spent. You can trust and believe it more so than almost anything in this physical world. Additionally, freedom, you could talk about Bitcoin from a trustless and permissionless state. So you don't need to trust a third party, Bank of International Settlements, you know, uh, Visa, to enable you to exchange value with, with, with someone else, essentially. And also permissionless when we talk about uh, how Russia was taken off of the, I forget the, 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 Swift. Group, the entity, SWIFT. Um, we don't, Bitcoin is the ant antithesis of that type of monetary network. And that's a good thing because then you can actually exchange value with people that you don't that you don't trust you wouldn't trust to stand with your back behind them they may stab you in the back but you can still exchange value with them 
because Bitcoin is a trustless and permissionless system. And additionally, peace. Um, I think that goes into digital scarcity because when you have control of the network, the monetary network, you can essentially do anything that your evil little brain would have you uh, do. And if you, with all the power in the world, if you have a seat, an office in a, in a strong country like America, Russia, China, you can enact war. And how long can you enact war? Well, with fiat, you can enact war endlessly. But with Bitcoin, you can still enact war. You can still buy up a bunch of guns and go take over uh, your neighboring country. But those guns are going to cost you. They're going to cost you hard, scarce assets. They're going to cost you Bitcoin. And you just can't say, oh, I spent some Bitcoin. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend another amount of Bitcoin and go propagate more war. At some point, you're going to run out of your money. And the people who you are encouraging to go fight your battles, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. It's like, you got to pay the piper because we're not going to, we're no longer going to fight for you. So Bitcoin doesn't fully get rid of war, but it demonetizes it so much. It demonetizes the incentive to enact, you know what, I'm not just going to fight this war for five, 10 years to these endless struggles that are out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's such a good thing for, it's an indirect way to essentially world peace. And the people who own the definition of peace don't like that at all. So I say, Graham, you are bullish for the right reasons, and I'm happy to to have a conversation with you about it. Awesome, love it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to just to build on that. I mean, I I 100 right. I'm not the, the I'm not saying that um, that Bitcoin is is a utopia, right? That, that we're never going to have a, a you know. A, a war again there's never going to be any bad things happening in the world once we're on a bitcoin standard no i understand that obviously uh humans are you know by by nature we we are humanity is somewhat flawed right we, there's always going to be uh some people doing some bad things at some points but i think when you you know having read the the bitcoin standard i haven't read the fiat standard yet you know safe's uh latest book but I think we you, you kind of know where he's going with it and it's it's just that everywhere you look now it's so obvious that the world is so corrupted by the fiat system that we're in right and so if you can replace that fiat system and to your point like you know the constraints that that come with the bitcoin standard mean that there's just going to be so much harder to to really propagate you know, endless wars for, you know, for self-enrichment or for corrupt reasons or whatever. Um, so it's just going to be, a, and I think, but I think the other part of it is, as I say, is the fact that the people behind Bitcoin who are trying to bring Bitcoin to the world seem to be such good spirited people that, that I think that a lot of those kind of values are actually coming from the movement itself, right? When, when I um, went to El Salvador and and uh, ended up, you know, doing this documentary, the, the the one of the main reasons I did it was because I was just like blown away by the the characters involved that were doing this. You know, they were such compassionate, good people that were trying to change their community and ultimately their country and. Uh, and it was, you know, it was this amazing story that it was like, okay, well, here's an opportunity to show the rest of the world that, uh, that because there's a lot of 
misplaced perception from from outside of the Bitcoin space, right? About what Bitcoin is, what type of people Bitcoiners are, you know, and we, we don't have, a, I think, the best public image, to be honest, right? Uh, and um, and so, yeah, that was, you know, for me, it was like, wow, this this is a real way to showcase this this uh, this compassion and this and this and the values that that come with the people who are trying to bring Bitcoin to to the rest of the world. And so, yeah, it's it's partly the the actual technology itself and the constraints that come from that from a bitcoin standard and it's partly also the the people that are behind it and the values that which we seem to be trying to instill uh into into that we, we want to create for the future yeah i think i think we'll we'll see the values spring forth uh you know with with that basler established um you know the the values that that are most beneficial to society as a whole and don't just benefit uh you know an, an, a, a wealthy elite um those values will will come forth just by virtue of having a a a fair system where you know with with if you're able to create value for, uh, for others then you will benefit if what you're doing does not create value for others then you know you you don't benefit from that. So I, I again, I, I I think we're headed there. Um, I love the topic, uh, and I'm going to now jumpstart us into our next one uh, because I'm conscious of time. I want to make sure that we get through everybody. So um, I'm going to which way am I going here? I'm going to go to uh, Ulrich first, and I'm going to queue you up with your question, same as before. Why are you bullish, man? All right. So why am I bullish? Um, I'm bullish because of a topic that's happening internationally. Uh, and you got, you've talked about it with, uh, with Nico, uh, Nico talked about it with someone else before I went on his podcast and he talked about it with me is talking about, uh, the, the great stuff that's going on in Argentina. And I'm not normally a political guy, uh, but this is not a normal politician. I think Javier Mali. Um, who's the front runner for um, Argentina, Argentinian presidency, um, could potentially do some great things uh, for a country that is pretty strong. Uh, and when you talk, when I talk about great things, I can list a few things based on my writings, uh, summarizing some of the stuff that he's promised to bring forth, deconstruction of all government ministries except for seven key ones, and they have dozens and dozens consolidate and eliminate bureaucratic waste and remove 90 percent of current taxes on the population remove all luxury privileges of state employees recover current liabilities on the central bank balance sheet and eliminate the central bank uh entirely uh, allow argentinians to conduct transactions in the money of their choice eliminate restrictions on international trade eliminate export taxes and foreign exchange restrictions so he promises to do a lot of this stuff that sounds, oh yeah, that's pretty good. So why is he being attacked by the media? Why is he being attacked by his own uh, uh, political opponents through, as Nico said, uh, lawfare? Uh, he told the uh, Argentinian people, do not save in the Argentinian peso. It's toxic for you. And he was, they blamed him for... Uh, the recent bout of inflation can you believe that because he decided to say something that would that he thought would benefit the people um the catch is is that javier malay 
is as close to a Bitcoin, uh, a Bitcoin positive president that I think that we have in this current world. And mind you, you know, we have El Salvador and, you know, El Salvador is doing their thing. The thing I like about Malay is that he's not necessarily saying that he's going to make Bitcoin legal tender. He's going to allow Bitcoin to operate in a free economic environment with other currencies. Uh, and so when you think about that, it's like Bitcoin should never be forced upon people. Bitcoin should allow should be allowed to prosper. And when you consider that Bitcoin will be compared to the dollar, um, Biden's dollar, who will where you'll spend helicopter money to defend his interests in other places or Trudeau's dollar, which may freeze if you don't want a COVID booster or Z's wand that comes with a social credit score. If you jaywalk, that could go down. If you jaywalk Putin's ruble that can get redeemed for gold for three months, a year and a half ago. If you didn't, sorry, bro. Lagarde's Euro. You can, as long as you don't buy anything over $500 in cash or you go straight to or you go straight to jail. So it's like, you get to have your choice of all those different currencies, all those different monies, or you can use Bitcoin. I think that the people of Argentina are going to realize quickly that, hey, there's something to this choice, and I'm going to choose the money that doesn't screw with my savings, with my ability to exchange value, uh, and in my opinion, to be succinct, uh, it provides us a lot of hope, similar hope that El Salvador did. And if, and if I could say, I believe this is kind of like a popcorn effect where if you put a, a bag in the microwave and you start heating it up, the world is heating up right now. And Bitcoin is that heat. And you got that one pop, you know, El Salvador. And then you may have gotten that other pop, it may have been a dud in Central, Central Africa. You know, we thought that they were going to adopt it. And it was really a crypto scam. But then all of a sudden you start getting a lot of pops. And I think that that those multiple pops, um, not the full bag yet, but I think that's Argentina. And you're going to see this popcorn effect expand exponentially. Like we all say, first gradually, then suddenly. Now you saw El Salvador two years ago. Now you see Argentina, Argentina potentially if he get, you know, the, the gap for the election is, is closing. But I think that this is a potential uh, positive for Bitcoin. And even if he ends up losing by some sort of scam, voting, whatever, uh, he's going to be a force in that country and they're going to remember him. And that's why I'm bullish. That's awesome. It, I, I love Malay. Like he just some of his first of all, if you've seen him truly rant when he's when he's on a big one and he's just no holds barred. <laughs> He will he will drop absolute tr truth and hellfire upon everybody and uh, and it's great and also the thing that stuck out to me here is how you're talking about rather than top down enforcement it's hands off right he's he's not saying oh you everybody has to use Bitcoin um, it's it's a oh yeah Bitcoin can be you you know whatever sure. Let's let's you choose what you would like to use, and I think that's an excellent way of doing it. The interesting thing is, if you were to dollarize, um, you know, some some people obviously will use Bitcoin. The people that understand it, uh, but there'll be um, almost a, you know initially a little bit less incentive for them to to understand it right away. 
which again, like that's, that's fine. Um, naturally we, we see, you know, I think it was McCormick was down in Argentina and he was like, actually people are like a lot of people, uh, some people are using Bitcoin, but like a lot of people just want, you know, tether because, and, and the reason being, they're like, I just, I just, people have a hard time with the volatility and they don't have the ability necessarily yet because their whole economy is based on garbage money. They don't have the ability to save. And so the short term is what matters. And that's where Bitcoin can be volatile. We all know that a long enough time frame, sure, your savings are great. Um, I just don't know what it's going to do today or tomorrow. And I, I, I think that that will shift to the point where eventually an open system where there's a lot of options, it gets whittled down to basically dollars being the, le- the least shitty of the shitty options for fiat and Bitcoin. And you're going to have this gradual whittling down where all of a sudden, as as Bitcoin grows in size and its volatility begins to dap- dampen and it just becomes mildly deflationary with a little bit of volatility, all of a sudden the trade-off between I know this is going down forever, um, but in a quasi-stable manner versus I know this is going up forever in a quasi-stable manner. You're the the trade-off there, it's a no-brainer. It's just the uncertainty in the interim as Bitcoin slowly grow grows into the behemoth it will become. That's where you're gonna get, uh, you're gonna use a stable coin, right? So yeah, but I, I love the hands-off approach. Belay is uh again, love the guy. Uh, I I hope there's no fuckery afoot, uh, but it you know <laughs> we'll see. I suppose. Uh, so uh, CJ, I want I want to toss it to you first, then we'll go to Graham. Great points there. Yeah, um, man, I don't know if you ever saw that movie A Knight's Tale, but your name, Sir Ulrich, it reminds me Ulrich von Lichtenstein. Like I just that's I what I'm playing off of. Yeah, that's actually my real <laughs> okay. name, but that's what I'm playing off of. So, yeah, <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, yes, yeah, sorry, a little distraction there, but I, I loved your points, especially about, uh, what Ben said. I have to, I kind of have to pig, piggyback on top of that. The, the free market option, right? It's the free market option. And the, and the choice really is between money and currency. And that's what people need to understand. We're at the point now we are so at the beginning of the S curve. We're at the bottom of the S curve that the wide majority of people, they don't even understand the difference between money and currency. They don't. And that's why they're choosing Tether and dollars over Bitcoin. But over time, they're going to learn more and more. And I think, you know, what really needs to happen is that people need to understand cost structures and price discovery. And just saying it kind of like, why? Why do I need to know about that? That sounds difficult. But the, the God's honest truth is, is that you can create currency with no cost. And you cannot create Bitcoin without cost. The natural laws of physics and thermodynamics protect Bitcoin. Energy can never be created nor destroyed. Well, Bitcoin is commoditized energy in the form of money. You can't just create it or destroy it. You have to earn it. And I think that's going to translate really well into some of these countries where they're trading their energy, their work for a currency, and it's constantly being diluted. They can learn through the natural processes of losing, right? We don't, most of the time we learn more from our failures than we do our uh, successes. So we have to learn how to fail before we learn how to correct ourselves and be successful. And Bitcoin is kind of like that teacher. 
And the, the quicker you learn it, the better. Because my concern is for some of these people, like where Ben was talking about, you know, now we're talking about up only with a you know quasi-deflationary. Once we get to the top of the S curve and Bitcoin moves from its commodity value, which is the value, the commodity cycle based on its cost of production, where we go to a premium and fair value and discount, that typical standard commodity cycle that we see in all commodities, that's where price is right now. So these people aren't really going to understand it until price is at its monetary value. And monetary value is literally all economic energy in the world divided by 21 million. So by the time most people understand this, the opportunity is going to be gone, not the benefits. The benefits are still going to be there. You're going to be able to protect your time and protect your energy. But the opportunity to capitalize on the emergence of this brand new asset class is now while the price is at the commodity value and while price discovery is still cyclical. Because by the time you get to the top of this S curve, if you haven't learned that lesson, well, you're not going to have a chance to learn it. You're, you're, you would have failed. And then you will learn from your failure and you will switch over to Bitcoin. Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the chance right now. We have our opportunity to tell friends and family, look, you should be bullish now because now is the time we're at the bottom of the S curve. Now is the time that people don't understand this. By the time everybody understands it, it's too late. And again, you don't lose the benefits, but you definitely miss out on the opportunity to not only preserve your wealth, but to grow it. And that makes me bullish. That's I, I love what you're saying there. And the to me, the most beautiful thing about it is even the people that completely miss it to the bitter end will still be better off when they eventually use it. And that's the point. It's that you could miss the entire rise to Bitcoin gobbling up the entire world's economic activity. You could be the last person on earth to get a Bitcoin wallet and you'll still be better off when you do. That's great. <laughs> Graham, I want to toss it to you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Malay and the, and the Argentina thing. I think it's, uh, it's, you know, it's super cool. And he's, a, he's such a character. And uh, the first time I saw him, I was, I, I was sure he, he must be wearing a wig, right? He just, uh, his, his, his hair is ridiculous. But, but, you know, fair play to him. Um, and, uh, I feel but, like uh, I'm a kindred spirit with him. There's something <laughs> we have in common. I can't quite place it. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very bullish. Um, I hope he wins. I think, it's, I think you're right. I think it's, a, it's just a part of this, you know, going back to the, the kind of movement thing, but this, this, it's, it's spreading, right, the, around the world. And it's, there's a reaction, right? There's a reaction from people in different places in different countries to the, the I mean, Argentina's just been such a shit show for so long, you know. It, it used to be such a, a wealthy, you know, country with with amazing resources and it's been so corrupt and so badly managed for for so long now that at some point there were there had to be a reaction and it needed someone like Malay to to you know to, to bring that reaction out from the people and so yeah it's i think it you know it it's interesting as well because it it's more and more people in the political uh realm are of jumping on the kind of Bitcoin bandwagon, right? And, you know, I know that we have this sort of separation or 
you know, we there's a sort of libertarian, sort of an, almost anti-government stance with baked into the Bitcoin thing. But you know, the reality is we, we're going to have governments, uh, whether whether we like it or not. And if if the if the politicians are pro Bitcoin, I think that has to be that has to be a good thing. And and I I'm, I agree that I think the hands off, you know, um, free market is the way to go. I actually think El Salvador is also that, you know, they, although they made it legal tender, they don't enforce it as legal tender. Um, it was really, I think the way they did that was more symbolic. It was kind of saying, look, we're, we're a Bitcoin country come and you know, come here and, you know, you're, you're welcome here, set up your businesses here. Um, but they don't actually make anybody, you know, pay or accept Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great topic. It's a great uh, you know it's great to see, and I, I hope he I hope he wins. Awesome. Do you, I guess, do you know I guess. if El Salvador is going to do citizenship by investment? I know you can get resident status, but I mean, come on, you got Bitcoiners here. We want to invest, and we want to we want a passport. We want a second or third passport. Do you have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I, I I think it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where 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 they're at with it, but I'm pretty sure that's part of the part of the uh, the roadmap for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder. I, I I see again. This is like that sovereign individual thesis playing out, where uh, constituencies start treating um, start treating uh, potential residents like, uh, or to start treating the the residents there like customers rather than servants, right? They, they, yeah. They're not saying, um, you know, give us your money. Uh, they're saying, please come here and, and get our services. This is what you get for any tax dollars we may, we may take. Uh, and then people get to shop around. World is changing and, and Bitcoin is going to be part of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, gentlemen, uh, I, I need to do our final rotation uh to to our our last reason for being bullish uh before i do i want to say to everybody in the chat you guys are awesome thank you for being here being part of the show and uh and and having those messages streaming through as we're chatting also a huge shout out to adam meister in the chat love that guy he was the first bitcoin show i ever went on like at all um, and I was very excited to get the invite way back in the day. I think that would have been maybe 2016, 2017, uh, and, and, uh, probably early 2017, to be honest. And, um, yeah, it was pretty epic and I was pretty happy about it, but anyways. Hey, Ben, you have to, Ben, you have to, you have to catch me on his show. I'm on the, every time he's been doing it for the last three months, I've been on there. So you have to watch me. I love Come it. join us. Say I hi. I am I am gonna be there. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Adam Adam's awesome, and I always love bumping him into him uh, in different parts of the world. So glad to see him here too. Uh, but we're gonna jump to our final reason for being bullish. Everybody in the chat, like, sub if you're not, share this around. Uh, I I have a feeling we'll have a a, a banging bookend to the show. Uh, but I'm gonna toss it to CJ, dude. Same question. Why are you bullish? All right. Well, you guys know. Number one, Bitcoin is commoditized energy in the form of money. Number two, Bitcoin is the reserve asset of the internet economy. And number three, Bitcoin is the most pristine form of collateral in the world. But look, you guys already know that, so I'm not going to bore you with that. I got a brand new reason why I'm bullish today, and I'll tell you why. Because the traditional system is collapsing in front of our eyes. 
That's why. What everybody is neglecting right now is look at the treasury market, right? We mentioned Argentina. Well, you know what Argentina's interest rate is right now? It's 118%. You know what their inflation rate is? 108%. Because raising interest rates doesn't fight inflation. Not when you have this amount of deficit spending and debt. Matter of fact, Max Kaiser quoted me the other day. It got put into Forbes about the death debt spiral because the mathematics just doesn't work out. You cannot raise the interest rate when the government is running a huge deficit, when the government is promising to pay $200 trillion of unfunded liabilities, and then you have to pay a higher interest rate on that. Look, there's only two entities that can create dollars in the entire world, the U.S. government through deficit spending or banks through credit extension. Okay, when interest rates go up, it costs the government more money to deficit spend. That means they have to print more currency units. That's the definition of inflation. When interest rates go up, people aren't supposed to borrow money. Oh, well, wait a second. Isn't credit at all-time highs? Take your kinesium economics and shove it because the data is showing us something different. Credit is going up and it continues to go up. And banks don't want to lend to Jimmy and Johnny because they don't qualify. But guess what? The people who own the companies that Jimmy and Johnny work for, they have the cash flow, they have the assets, and they're getting access to the money. You think the wealth gap was bad over the last few years. Wait until you see how worse it gets if they stay higher for longer. Here's the problem. They're not going to be able to stay higher for longer because what's happening is the yield curve is normalizing. What's the yield curve, CJ? The difference between the short-term rates and the long-term rates. The Federal Reserve stated the rates higher. They raised the rates to fight inflation. We already know that that's BS and it's not going to work. But what's happening is the long-term rates stayed lower. And the reason that the long-term rates stayed lower was because the people believed the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve targets 2% inflation. Uh, Sir Ulrich, they only want to steal 2% from us per year, right? So sit down and shut up because they're not stealing that much, right? They target 2% inflation. The rest of the marketplace, we had an inverted yield curve, the steepest and longest inverted yield curve between the 10-year Treasury note and the three-month Treasury bill in the history of, of recording. Right At the same time, treasuries are performing the worst they've performed since 1787. 1787. Do you know what was happening in 1787? That was shortly after our country declared independence. And the interest rates were so high because nobody knew if our country was going to exist. Well, guess what? Treasuries are performing that bad because people with real money who are trying to protect it, they don't know if this country is going to exist. We're in the same situation. Everything is falling apart at the same time. The 10-year Treasury note yield is now normalizing. What does that mean? It's now work, working its way back up above that three-month bill rate. Well, why would it do that? It's the free market signaling to us, right? Price is the language of demand. Interest rates are the price of the currency. The price is going up. What is the, what is the, the bond price is going down, but the yield is going up, right? It's an inverse relationship. So what is the market signaling to us through this price action? They're calling the Fed's bluff. They're saying, hey, we don't believe inflation is going to be held long-term at 2%. We're calling BS on your 2% inflation target. And for that reason, we're going to sell at 4.9% instead of buy, right? Because if they believe the Fed, you'd be happy to buy 4.9%. Because if you believe the Fed, inflation is 2%. And 5% minus 2% is 3%. So that means you would get a 3% real rate of return, right? The APY of the, of the note 
minus what they say inflation is going to be gives you your real rate of return. So if you have a positive real rate of return, you can actually increase your purchasing power over time. Well, the, every, the free market believe the Federal Reserve's 2% target. Therefore, even though the short-term rates went high, the long-term rates stayed low because people were buying. They were buying. They were buying. It's 2% inflation. We're at 4%. This is fantastic. We're at 3%. I'm getting real rates of return here. What we've seen over the last couple of quarters is that the, the yields have broken up to new highs. The normalization process is the free market signaling to us that the, they don't believe the 2% inflation target. Now, the reason that that's bullish is because it highlights the reality of the situation that the U.S. government is in. And, the, and that situation is the debt death spiral. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to be forced to take action. They have to ask ourselves, what's worse? Is it worse that the long-term rates go above the short-term rates and we have to do yield curve control to cap the rates? Because the free market is now asking, what is the rate of inflation? We don't know who to trust anymore. So we have to discover that price on our own. Or is it better for us to just state the rates lower, have an artificial normalization, and yeah, rates go down, people want to borrow more, but ultimately when rates go down, right, the government doesn't have to print as much money to deficit spend. So there's a trade-off between the things that are happening right now in the bond market. It's, it's a sophisticated market and it's not easy to understand. I mean, if you don't understand the difference between money and currency, surely you aren't going to understand the difference between a currency derivative like a bond. Right. Dollars are a derivative of the bonds. Bonds are a derivative of taxpayer money. The government is spending all of our taxpayer money, plus printing more of it and spending that into circulation as well. There is no way out of this. People need to wake up right now because the system is collapsing right now. If you think things are normal, they're not. And I don't know. This is why you see it burning up in me through this whole episode, because I'm trying to figure out a way to deliver this message to my fellow Bitcoiners so that you can tell your family and friends what's happening right now. Because you are not going to hear this on the news. You're not going to hear it from the talking heads. What's happening right now is the, the largest sovereign debt market in the world is blowing up and everybody is in denial. Nobody understands the repercussions of what's happening. The bond market is the, the collateral it is the base layer money, just like Bitcoin is the base layer money for Lightning. It's the collateral that facilitates the transactions on the net Lightning network because it's settled in that collateral. Well, in the traditional system, treasuries are the collateral and banks hold that collateral on their balance sheet as an asset. And the circulating liabilities that we trade between each other and our bank accounts, they're just digital numbers. The underlying, the underlying collateral, the value of that collateral is eroding. It is eroding beneath the system. And now it's not eroding because they stated the rate higher. It's eroding because they're losing control of the yield curve. The free market is calling their bluff and risk is being repriced. Before, treasury bonds were, well, hey, there's no risk. It's risk-free. And that's partially true because if you hold that bond to maturity, you will get principal and you will get interest. That's guaranteed because they have a printer. So you're going to get that money. But what the what the smarter, wider market is now starting to figure out is, well, I understand I'm going to get paid the money, but what the hell am I going to be able to buy with that money? Right? I was looking at a single family home in 2020 and it was 225,000 and now even after they froze the markets with what they did with rates, the single family home is still 400,000, 450,000. 
it's 100% more. So I don't care if you're getting 5%. I don't care if you're getting 10%. It doesn't matter what you're getting. That's not 100%. It's not the pace at which the system is deteriorating is, is accelerating. And it's accelerating to the point where all the bells and all the alarms and all the whistles are going off. And the biggest people in the world who get the time and the platform to warn people are pretending that nothing is wrong. Everybody right now should be extremely concerned and they should be they should be doing what I think. Here's what I'm going to call it. This is why I'm bullish, because Bitcoin is systemic diversification. Bitcoin is systemic diversification, right? Concentration builds wealth. Diversification preserves it. So if you go into the stock market and you got oil and you got a few ETFs and you got an index and you got this and you got some blue chips, that's not diversification. You're all in the same system. You need systemic diversification. You need something where when this thing crashes and burns, because it will, and it is right now, that you're not going to be trapped in that system. You need wealth parked in an alternative system. And because people have come to trust over long periods of times, there is no alternative system. That is the system. So Bitcoin is the alternative system. And look how fast it's developing. It's developing just as fast as the traditional system is crashing and burning. And right now here today, we need to acknowledge it. We need to look the problem head on, just like they did in Argentina. And they need to, or at least the one guy who we hope wins, look that problem head on, address the problem and fix the problem. You need, listen, guys, if you don't want to choose it, that's fine. But you need systemic diversification. Listen, guys, if you don't want to earn 118% APY, that's okay. Yeah, but when prices are going up 200%, you're still losing, right? And that's what's happening. The system is crashing and burning. There is nowhere to go to escape. If you have stocks, what are you selling back into? Dollars. If you have bonds, what are you? Dollars. If you have all this ETF, dollars. You need to be able to get out of dollars. And for those of you who have been around for a long time, you know when the bull market comes around, Sometimes it can take weeks to set up an account. Sometimes it can take weeks to go through the KYC stuff that they make you do. You're not going to be able to. This is going to happen so fast that if you're not prepared now, you're, all, you're done. There's no way you're getting off this. You, you have no chance. This isn't the Titanic where you can float on a, on a piece of wood. This was a submarine shooting torpedoes, and it's all going to blow up at once. And if you're on it, you're dead. You need to get off now. And that's why I'm bullish on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the exit. Bitcoin is the saving grace. Bitcoin is the answer to our problem, which is no longer just inflation and corrupt politicians, but a crashing and burning system right in front of our eyes. <sighs> Brought the fire this time. <laughs> I love it. You're so right, though. Like everybody always sits on their friggin' thumbs until the last minute. It's not until people are experiencing the worst pain that the majority of them finally pull the trigger on doing enough to get them out of harm's way. And by then it's, it's often too late. Like we were talking about the, the S curve earlier and, and yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing in, in a, in a different type of situation, but you know, the people that, that don't take the time to get, you know, get acquainted with this, they'll, they'll miss everything The again, the, the people that don't take the time to, to get ready now will be most burned by what's about to happen. They'll still, they'll still be able to salvage themselves by switching to the other system eventually. But why not avoid that pain? Why not prepare now? At least, at least just start reading, just start learning, just start tinkering because 
even just the act of doing that puts you ahead of the majority of the planet. So, yeah, get learning, guys. Get learning. Um, well, it, it's all sorry before someone else comments, but it's all based on trust. Mm-hmm. The, the entire system is based on trust. And the only difference between inflation and hyperinflation is trust. You guys heard me say that before, but I'm telling you right now, trust is about to be lost. And we're seeing it with the 10 year note. It's selling off. The yield is normalizing because they don't trust the 2% inflation target. And if that trust crumbles and they're playing with that, they're tinkering with that trust. If it goes, this will happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> but gradually then suddenly, right? Um, right. I, I want to get comments from the other two gentlemen. Whoever, whoever wants to dive in first, feel free. Graham, you want me to go? I'll go. Yeah, I'll, go I'll for go. it. Yeah, I, I've, I have this the, uh, so funny. A kid asks his grandpa, sees a dog lying on a bed of nails, and the kid asks grandpa, "Why does the dog not get up off the nails? Doesn't he? Doesn't it hurt?" And the grandpa says, "Yeah, it it hurts. It just doesn't hurt enough for him to move." And I think that that's what we see with our world that we even though we're going through this pain right now, it essentially, we essentially trust that the government is going to take care of us and they can't take care of us because they can't take care of themselves. You see when Argentina, uh, they just ended income taxes uh, for all people because they're trying their best to maintain sovereignty over the people for as long as possible because Javier Malay said he's going to break the whole damn thing down. He's going to break the, all of the government infrastructure to steal from their people down. Uh, and it's a high time preference decision, but that's only because our current system has no future, has no long term future. Uh, and with with our with the U.S. at 34 trillion in debt, and if it's not now, it'll be in a in a week or two. Um, the interest payments are going to be one trillion soon. The U.S. tax receipts are generally three trillion. The U.S. military cost is a, is a trillion and a half. And so we're basically going to all the taxes that we res- that we give to our our big overlords. It's going to go all in interest payments and and the military industrial complex. And it's no wonder that Argentina is blowing up the the income tax. They realize they don't need that. The only the only weapon they have is to print money. They print money in good times and bad times. And this is bad times right now. The world's strongest government is becoming insolvent. Hyperinflation is coming to the first world, to the West. Uh, And I believe that the fourth turning uh, that we're going through right now is going to be defined by the Bitcoin revolution. We had four, the fourth turnings in the past, at least for the Western world, is the Great Depression uh, going from re- most recent back, the Great Depression and World War II, the Civil War, American Revolution, and the uh, Glorious Revolution, which is a, which is a historic event in, in Northern Europe. And all of, all of those, it's so ironic, they, they have this different theme, like the Glorious Revolution, was more of a was more of industrial. Uh, the American Revolution was more about uh, was m- more about freedom. The Civil War was more about defining, you know, who was in control of of this the most powerful nation in the world or one or the growing nation in the world. And the Great Depression was about the monetary system. Um, and in my opinion, I think that we're going to have another fourth turning. It's going to be defined by the wrecking of the monetary system that we uh, that we've been. Uh, suppressed by for decades for generations and uh, bitcoin is going to lead the way there will be wars but hopefully it's not as rough as you know 
pastimes and that Bitcoin can get us through as peacefully as possible. But uh, all the all the evidence that CJ put forth, uh, it's, it's clear a change is coming and there's no reason why people shouldn't be a pay, paying attention. This might be the last um, the last fourth turning with a meaningful amount of uh, physical conflict, because as everybody was alluding to before, um, when you have a base layer of money that can't be diluted, these forever wars cease to exist. And so um, it it doesn't prevent physical contact, but it stunts it and it stunts the ability to fund it in perpetuity. So, um, yeah, I, I love it's, that. It's uh, a war on people, you know, and most people don't know this. This is very interesting history. In the American Revolution, the the king, King George, he actually ordered for his army to create inflation. So they attack the American currency with inflation. So inflation is an act of war. Our government is committing an act of war against us. And instead of fighting back against them physically, we can fight back against with Bitcoin. Because like Ben said perfectly, it, it dilutes that. It takes that ability away. And they, they fight that war against us, just same way British used inflation against the early American colonies. They use it against us, and it funds all of that crazy stuff that they don't need the taxes for. And now we're getting to the point where people are waking up. And if we can get Bitcoin in there, um, I think what Ben said is perfect. It's going to stop it. It's going to dilute that because you can't waste your energy on that. It's a waste. It's a net negative. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, they're they're using a weapon of inflation, and Bitcoin is just the most efficient way to disarm them. That's that's it. It's like it's like it's like the and the anti weapon, and it's an you know anti anti ballistic missile, <laughs> pretty much. Um, Graham, I want I, I want to get your thoughts there. Yeah, well, I think um, I totally totally agree with what CJ saying. I mean, it's 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 crazy what's going on. I mean, it's not crazy because it's it's been you know it's been coming for a long time. It's been building for a long time, but. We are, we're, we're there now and the, you know like it's there for all to see the bond market is is crashing it's it's imploding and i i love the urgency that he's he brings that you know it's time to do something about it you know and yeah i you know it's it just adds another layer of of i think it fits perfectly with the whole theme of the show why are we bullish because you know that's the, the amazing thing about bitcoin as well is that you have all these different use cases right for bitcoin for the the, the village in el salvador it's a uh, you know it's there for really it's for the unbanked right it's for people who can't have access to banking services and and now they have a way to participate in a digital economy that's one you know that's one use case for people like us in the, in more in the so-called developed world it's more maybe a, a, a store of value. It's something that we, we believe in for the long term, and, uh, and so on. And you know, for a micro strategy, it's a, a hedge against inflation, or to have it hold hold it on your on your balance sheet. And then, you know, you got CJ talking about it as systemic diversification, which I think is a great way of framing it. And and so, wh whichever way you look at it, you know, Bitcoin is 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 the answer right and that's that's why we that's why we are so bullish um and i i i have a question though back to cj because you know like it's it's a fascinating 
situation we're in, like you say, that if if the bond market is in, you know, if it if it, we're in this kind of debt spiral and it's and it's happening before our eyes, the people who the players that are in that market, you know, probably are not all going to go into Bitcoin. Although you know, it's interesting to see someone like um, Larry Fink talk about Bitcoin being a flight to quality, right? And it's uh, that's a pretty 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 big statement but you know where 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 are the where are they going to go what when if they get out of the bond market presumably they're not all going to go to bitcoin even though they should so i'm curious to know what you think where where are these people going to put their where if they take yeah. their money out of bonds where are they going to put it dollars i guess or yeah great 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 question and there's there's two points there the first point i want to highlight is the transfer of risk that's taking place right now because if you look at the $5.9 trillion on the sidelines, uh, that's not the smart money you're talking about. They're the ones who are selling you the bonds, right? It's the idiots who are buying the bonds because, oh, we can get 5.5%. Well, I mean, come on. Look, it's just like crypto. You can't, you can't stake and get 5.5% because if you stake, you're just not getting diluted, right? Because the yield, it's being paid with newly created tokens so there is no earned income that's being redistributed the same thing with the dollar and these guys understand that when you're managing large amounts of wealth it's very easy especially when it's your own wealth it's very easy to understand the loss of purchasing power and what happens to that so if you look at who's been buying the bonds insurance companies mutual funds pension funds guess that's the people that's the people all the all the big smart money they're exiting the market they're the sellers and then they're selling it with the yield to the dumb money so the risk is being transferred from the smart people or smart money to the to the i don't want to call them dumb because they're really just being taken advantage of a lot of them don't you know you you get a contribution from your 401k and they match you so you don't want to do a self-directed 401k because you'll lose your match there's all these different corrupt incentives within the system and and most of the time you know People have a family, they want to live life and enjoy it. So very few people are paying close enough attention unless you're not paycheck to paycheck and you have a lump sum of money that you're trying to protect and you can see how your purchasing power is deteriorating. So unfortunately, the first topic is the transfer of risk is actually going from the smart money who's selling to the public dumb money managed in pension funds, mutual funds, insurance companies. And you can notice how insurance costs are going up. All. The people who are buying the bonds right now are going to get caught holding the bag. The smart money is exiting. Where are they going to? That's the second part of the question. Anything that any asset, Bitcoin, look at gold. Historically, gold, the price of when interest rates go up, the price of gold goes down. That's because people can't earn anything with gold because it doesn't. there's no counterparty risk. Therefore, it doesn't need to pay any uh, type of uh, APY. You don't, it doesn't need to because there's no counterparty risk. But when you get out of something that's paying you like that and you eliminate that counterparty risk, that's the goal. Eliminate counterparty risk. That's the, that's the whole thing. When the treasuries are backing the system as the systemic collateral, when they're the assets that, bank, uh, that back the bank's deposit liabilities, when they're the assets that, that back the insurance company's ability to cover a claim, when they're the assets that are supposed to pay through Social Security, when they're the assets that are supposed to perform and they're not performing like i said before the worst since 1787 where can you go and the answer to that is 
hard assets, gold, silver, real estate, assets that take energy to create. Of course, Bitcoin is the apex predator of store of value assets because of, the, because of its design. Satoshi is a freaking genius because he designed Bitcoin. You know, the price of gold has, has maintained its purchasing power through the years because as they dilute the dollar, the cost for the miner to pull the gold out of the ground continues to go up. And as long as people want to buy gold because of its value proposition, well, the person who sees the value in that proposition is going to have to pay a price above the cost. Otherwise, the miner is going to go out of business. See, the business 101 is I can't sell something for less than it costs me to produce. So that's how gold stores its value. It's a natural law of economics and business where the cost forms a baseline. And if you believe in the value proposition of that product, then you'll pay above the cost. Well, Bitcoin, we see the hash rate going parabolic. Well, something happens when the hash rate goes up. When the hash rate goes up and blocks are mined at a faster than a 10-minute pace, every 2016 blocks, the difficulty adjustment kicks in. And when the difficulty goes up, the cost goes up. So price drives hash rate. Hash rate drives difficulty. Difficulty drives cost. So the cost of gold will go up relative to the devaluation of the dollar. The cost of Bitcoin will go up not only relative to the devaluation of the dollar, but also relative to the increased cost to generating and earning that Bitcoin. It is the apex predator of how to store value. So they might not be getting in it now, and they might be waiting for some time. You know, usually when the yield curve normalizes, like when the long-term rates go back above the short-term rates, shortly after that, you have a recession. So a lot of these guys, they might be holding off. I, I think the last semblance of control, the reason the yield curve hasn't normalized yet, is because at some point in time, there's going to be this liquidity crisis, right? At some point in time, there's going to be this March 2020 moment where for a short period of time, you're going to be able to get discount prices. And I think some of the smarter money, some of the higher net worth individuals are trying to time the market and trying to figure out when to deploy that cash to get the most real world assets they can get for that fake currency. So we're, we're in the middle of it right now. There's no one answer. Oh, this is where they went. Because we're in the process of that transfer of risk and we're in the process of that transfer of wealth from something that's backed by nothing to real world assets and commodities that are backed by tangible value and cost structure. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't even know where to go next with that, to be honest. <laughs> so much there. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I was, I was just off in my own thoughts uh, here thinking about you know, a few steps down the line from what you're talking about. But, um, okay, gentlemen, I'm conscious of time. I got to start rounding things out, but, uh, this has been excellent and, and I want to end it on, on a high note. And usually the way that I round out my episodes is, um, I like to do a round of any, any final thoughts, anything you just kind of want to put a nice little bow on at the end, um, and, and kind of sum up your, your takeaways from the episode. Uh, but the other thing I also like to challenge uh, everybody on the panel to do is to give a recommendation. And a recommendation can come in many different forms. If there is um, a book, a podcast, an article, a, a video, something that you've seen that you particularly liked and you think people should check out, then that's always great. Uh, if there is an, an app, a, a device, a um, new technology, something that you think is cool, uh, that would would maybe benefit users to check out, then uh, you can throw that out there. Or if it can just be uh, a personal experience and uh, a bit of life advice that you 
you care to bestow upon the viewers? Anything that you think that they could take a, a little nugget of knowledge and do something with after, uh, after this show, a call to action, if you will, um, then this is your chance to throw it out there as well. So I'll start with mine. Um, final thoughts here. Again, um, Bitcoin in its very nature uh, does not ask permission. It only exists because somebody chose not to ask permission. They acted and they let the world deal with what they had bestowed upon everybody. And, um, you know, I, I recently uh, had a great conversation with uh, Walker uh, from the Crypto Couple. And uh, we chatted and he was talking about top down versus ground up. And Bitcoin is inherently a ground up movement. It only exists because it started from the ground up. Top down, again, in the example of, of uh, El Salvador and Javier Malay in, in Argentina, top down is great. It helps speed things along. It, it helps uh, people gain their sovereignty quicker. Uh, but Bitcoin does not exist and does not function without the bottom up. So you need to grab this thing by the balls and take charge of it. And you need to go and level the fuck up right now. And you're here. You're watching this. You've already taken certain steps, but you can go and you can learn more. And, uh, and you, can, uh, you can act instead of waiting for somebody to tell you it's okay. You can go and you can learn the tools. Learn about the privacy tools. Learn about the self-custody learn how to distribute your keys in a multi-sig so that you're wrench proof, uh, all of those things. You can level up. There's always a new thing that you can learn. And even if you're not using it 100% of the time, you can still be ready to use it when you see fit. So that's my piece of advice uh, recommendation for the end of the show here. Um, Graham, I'm going to toss it to you. If there's any final thoughts you'd like to put a pretty little bow on at the end here, uh, and if you have a recommendation, uh, I mean, I are, I can already think of a great recommendation you should throw out there, but uh, uh, take it away, whatever final thoughts you have. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, this has been a blast. It's uh, really enjoyed it. It's been a great, great conversation. So thanks again for, uh, for having me on, and um, thanks to the others as well for, uh, for the great thoughts and comments um yeah i mean I, I i think just to build on what you said i it's it's you know it, for me it's what i guess what i was saying before it's very much a, a bottom-up movement i fully believe that and i think that's really exciting um i would add to that which is what i was kind of just saying before which is try i i you know a bit of a rallying call to people to try and get outside a little bit of the Bitcoin world and and bring some of those values into other areas that have over, you know, where there's obvious overlap to really to try and, you know, to orange pill more people. Um, because I do think we, uh, you know, we, we do get in our echo chambers. We talk a lot at each other and I think we need to get more people on board. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess final, uh, you know, a recommendation well i obviously i'd love people to check out uh the film that i that's you know that was uh, that i got behind that i produced and it was released um in september um i think it might be the first bitcoin film that actually got a a distribution deal so it's kind of the whole point of it actually i was kind of um was 
was to to try and orange peel people. So I was trying to get um, uh, trying to get it out there to as many people as possible. And it was uh, so we went down the distribution route. Um, it's a ninety-six minute featured documentary, um, and uh, yeah, it's out on. Uh, well, it's out on in, in the US. It's out on many networks and, and platforms it, to rent or buy. I, I will just add that I, this was never a profit-making venture for me. If there are any profits by any chance, then um, the vast majority of those go to uh, Bitcoin Beach and and, their, and Hope House, which is the other project, which is all about supporting local community projects and uh, and so on. And so. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's out on, you know, on Amazon, Apple TV, YouTube movies. And, um, so, you know, obviously, uh, uh, check that out and, and, and just a shout out as well, something that's not related to me, but, um, uh, something that is, I've seen happening is something called film fest, uh, which is a Bitcoin, um, club, a film fest club. And they're doing a lot of work around trying to highlight all these uh, Bitcoin documentaries and uh, Bitcoin content, video content that's coming out. Uh, so a shout out to them. They're in Lugano right now um, at that conference and they're going to various different conferences. Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thanks so much. That's that's awesome. And yes, there's there's so many great, um, great content creators that are are telling, I think, compelling stories about how Bitcoin affects people. And um, I think those are the stories that hook people. Um, if people don't have a proclivity for um, economics or, you know, they have a difficult time relating to, uh, you know, historical examples of currency debasement and, you know, all the, all the, all the political uh, ins and outs that, that come with some of these things, um, human stories can greatly impact people. And if you're, if you're great at telling those stories and you have content that, that can be based around those types of things, I think it's incredibly beneficial to orange pill people in, in a different light than, than maybe we're used to, but I think a much needed one. So yeah, check out, check out dare to dream and uh, also uh, Bitcoin film fest. Uh, there's lots of uh, other, little rabbit holes you can head down there but anyways uh i'm gonna toss it down to uh ulrich here and uh yeah man final thoughts and recommendations go ahead yeah my final thoughts um generally speaking uh it's uh we have to be the, the storytelling is very important to me the content creation is very important to me and we don't just have to uh be in our own uh, we don't we don't necessarily need another podcast and we need people to take the information that they get from these podcasts from talking to one another and venture out into the world and let the normies know and bitcoin's going to do what bitcoin's going to do you know 10 minutes you know block you know tiktok next block but it's important that your loved ones realize the things that they're missing because they're just watching the eight o'clock news. They're just watching the the big three letter mainstream media. They're watching. They're reading the New York Times, and your your impact on their lives could be life changing uh, if you take that time to ingest the information that we talk about on a regular basis and package it in a way that's best 
um, that's best told from your purview and share it with those people that you care about. Uh, and so that's it from me. And I try to do that my very best with the time that I have. I have a full-time career, but when I'm, when I'm not working, when I'm not working out, uh, making sure I'm putting together the story, uh, the stories that I see most effective for sharing uh, Bitcoin with the people that I love. And in terms of a recommendation besides my own content, uh, I would say uh, go visit Pleb Underground. Uh, Coin Icarus and Walton, uh, they're underappreciated. Um, they are one of the podcasts I tune into on a regular basis, and I consider them some of my closest uh, Bitcoin uh, friends in that in Bitcoin Twitter in the digital world. Um, I the only the only the only thing that I wish is that they were closer to me so I could spend more real life time with them. They are that cool, they're that trustworthy, and they put their heart and soul into every episode. And so I would recommend that you. Um, watch like and subscribe to pleb underground when you get a moment shout out to phil coin icarus and walton in the uk holla at your boy awesome i always love running into those guys uh and uh yeah it's it's good to see i've i've seen walton recently uh in a couple spots but it's been a been a little while since i've uh, been a minute since i've seen phil so uh, hopefully i get to bump into him again too soon so yeah awesome well let's toss it uh over to cj uh for final words here any final thoughts and recommendations go ahead man absolutely so number one what could make me wrong i think it's important to to understand that so if we see the government cut spending significantly in other words if the government decides they are not going to deficit spend and they are only going to spend the money they collect in taxes, my thesis is invalidated. Uh, so keep an eye for that. And then that brings me to my recommendation, which somebody brought up earlier, the price of tomorrow. That It's so important to understand how economics really works because the cure for higher prices is higher prices because higher prices make producers more profitable. They get to invest their profits in expanding supply. When they expand their supply, their marginal cost of production goes down, meaning the cost per unit of what they're creating goes down. And when the, the marginal cost of production goes down, the producer can actually lower the front end price. So by prices going higher and producers becoming more profitable, they reinvest that profit in supply and it lowers the front end price, but they sell more units and make more money anyway. So Jeff does a great job of laying that out in the price of tomorrow. And you can understand how just because prices are going, look, when prices go down, demand increases. When demand increases, you sell more units. When you sell more units, you can create more units. That's a healthy economy. So these are things that we can keep an eye on. How can I be wrong? And how can we set this system up so that it works properly so that we see true healthy growth versus this fake inflationary growth? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... You know, I, 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 I think it's, it's, um, uh, a, a solid, especially price of tomorrow is, is such a great kind of tool to, to get people to, to dive in because it's not a Bitcoin book, right? It doesn't even mention Bitcoin to what chapter nine, something like that. Um, the last chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Close to it's such, it's such a great segue because, um, it does, it doesn't mention it anywhere on 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 the actual book anywhere until you get to that part and so um yeah if you want to if you want to orange pill people if you want to get people kind of 
you know, just thinking economically uh, in a way where the world suddenly starts to make sense. Oh, I, I, I get why we're getting so screwed. It's not just the inflation that's screwing us. It's that we're, we're, it's, it's double as insidious because we're not benefiting from the deflation we would be experiencing. I had this moment actually with my wife the other day where, where she realized <laughs> like just how much we're getting fucked <laughs> because she was like, she was like, all, all, all I said was, would you say that we've gotten better or worse at building things efficiently? She's like, well, I mean, of course, we're always getting better at building things. I'm like, so technically speaking, shouldn't things be getting cheaper? And she's like, I mean, yeah, like if we're, we're able to make them more efficiently. So then technically speaking, it's not just that things are getting, you know, that we're getting screwed because things are getting more expensive. It's that things should be getting cheaper. So you, you're not just factoring in the, the inflation. Uh, that's not just the stated uh, pain that's being caused. It's it's the savings that we could be making <laughs> with the fruits of our labor. It's like, it's like, what is the stated inflation versus how much more efficient are we getting at making things? And that's how much you're getting screwed. And they are uh, stealing your time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, I love that framing and I love getting people to think more deeply about just how insidious inflation truly, truly is. Um, so gentlemen, I'm going to wrap it there. I'm going to say thank you so much all for spending the time here on a Friday evening, getting bullish. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Everybody watching, uh, all these gentlemen's uh, handles are in the show notes. So please go follow them. And from there, you'll be able to find all of the other things that they are up to. Uh, and uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much. You're all welcome back. Thank Anytime. you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks. it. Cheers, guys. Awesome. And everybody in the chat, as I as I uh, uh, flick a few switches here, again, please do follow all these gentlemen. All of their info is down below. Go check them out. Go check out the Dare to Dream film as well. Uh, it is epic and, uh, you know, a lot of blood, sweat and tears support into that. And uh, if you can support it by going and renting or purchasing it, uh, that's that's a huge help. And it helps encourage those that are are telling those stories and helping to orange pill the world through those human stories. Um, it's it's a really cool thing to see. So please go go support that uh, dare to dream is the film and just uh, go follow the handle in the show notes and you'll find more links from there. Um, anyways, guys, uh, I do want to say thank you all for being a part of the chat. I've thoroughly enjoyed seeing you guys all there. Uh, Phil, uh, Rand, David, uh, Simmer, everybody that I see in there. Thank you guys for being here. Mr. C, everybody that's, that's uh, in there on a regular, everybody that did smash the like button uh, and share this. I appreciate it. If you did not already, please go do that, obviously. Uh, if you want to help the show in another way, of course, you can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors that I, I had, uh, Hoddle Hoddle, Coin Kite, Seedor, Nunchuck, Start9. And uh, if you really liked what you saw, you can hit up my website, btcsessions.ca. Um, and you can also go ahead and uh, uh, if you need some handholding, book me for private one-on-one -on -one sessions. Uh, I do plenty of those these days uh, for people that just need a little bit of extra help, maybe the the free tutorials aren't cutting it and you just want somebody kind of looking over your shoulder, making sure that you're doing everything right. Uh, you can hit me up for that. Anyways, guys, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, 
wherever you may be. And I will see you guys next time for your daily session. Hold the Bitcoin.